0: Welcome everyone to Sobriety Over Society, the podcast dedicated to prioritizing personal health and well-being over societal expectations. In each episode, I'll share challenges and tips to support you on your journey towards sobriety. My goal is to encourage you to embrace discomfort and push beyond your comfort zone. Connect with me on Instagram at Sobriety Over Society podcast to share your thoughts and suggest topics you'd like to hear more about. All right, let's get started. Uh, I want to extend, first and foremost, my heartfelt congratulations to all of you who have successfully completed challenges and reached significant milestones in your journey towards sobriety. Whether it's been sober for a week, a month, a year, or more, you should be incredibly proud of yourselves. I understand, too, that. choosing sobriety is very challenging and often can be a daunting task it takes courage strength and a lot of hard work and to those of you who have made it this far i applaud you for your resilience and your perseverance i know that this journey towards sobriety is not easy it requires a lot of dedication and commitment but the rewards of a sober life are immeasurable and you will reap the benefits for years to come And also, for anyone who didn't get a chance to hit their goals, please do not get discouraged. The beginning stages of sobriety can be tough and you need to find what works for you. It's important to remember that everyone's journey is different and there is no one-size-fits-all approach. So, what works for one person may not work for another and that's okay. The key is to keep trying and to never give up on yourself. On today's episode, we will explore the important topics of how employers can support employees in recovery, the role of awareness and education in navigating addiction, and the impact of societal pressures from our surroundings. Although there's a lot to unpack, it's crucial to understand how these topics are interconnected, and their significance for individuals in recovery. Let's first explore our relationship with work and how we navigate employment with addiction. The topics of addiction, advocating for addiction policy change and employment law are deeply interconnected. Understanding that connection between trauma and addiction, the importance of workplace accommodations, the role of harm reduction, and even advocating for systematic change can help support individuals in recovery and prevent addiction in the first place. When I thought about this topic and wanting to speak on it for the podcast, I wanted to do a bit of research, especially surrounding how much time we spend working and what I found was we spend one-third of our lives working and this was based on a 40-hour work week with an average retirement age of 65 and that person starting work uh at age 18. And As I'm reading this I'm like oh that's me. I work a 40-hour work week and although I plan to retire before age 65 I did start working um before the age of 18. And given the significant amount of time that I and other people spend at work, it's essential for organizations to prioritize the health and well being of their employees. And this includes supporting employees who may be struggling with addiction and even mental health issues. By educating the employees and providing support and resources for addiction recovery, organizations can help. employees manage their addiction and reduce the negative impact it has on their work and personal life and also for the employer in turn this does lead to increased productivity uh improved morale and will reduce turnover rates and coming from hospitality and the effect COVID had on it the turnover rate was at an all-time high and one of the reasons i left my my previous employment was the lack of awareness when it came to mental health and addiction. And so for anyone who listened to a previous podcast, sorry, previous episode, you know that I spoke on my manager's response to when I finally informed them that I was, at the time, two years sober, and it just not being a supportive conversation whatsoever. And then when you have that conversation, expecting it to go one way, but it in turn goes another way, you start to really get a better understanding of the place you're working for. And so throughout this episode, I want you to ask yourself, would your employer support you if you opened up to them? So this could be either uh, with mental health or addiction, or just wanting to get sober, you just bring to the attention of your, your manager and say, Hey, you know, um, I'm thinking about getting sober. I know you've asked me and Uh, a few others to go out for a drink I just want to let you know uh, I'm gonna have to say no moving forward so so please support that or if you are in addiction recovery and you feel comfortable talking to a manager and maybe you were at a work event and they offered you a drink and you feel comfortable letting them know that you don't drink how would they respond to you would they respond the same way that my manager responded to me which was oh you shouldn't tell people that they'll think you have a problem or will they say, oh, wow, uh, please tell me more. How can I support you? Is there anything that can change within this organization that will help uh, that will help you through through this recovery that will uh, provide essential resources for you to uh, to be successful. And I, I do have to say working in hospitality is a wild ride. So anyone listening to this episode and you're not in hospitality There are triggers throughout any role. And for me being in hospitality, this came from not knowing who you were going to meet that day, what they were going to ask for and how they would behave. And when you're in addiction recovery, it was honestly like playing a game of dodgeball with my triggers. I was constantly on the lookout for anything that might set me off, but I had to keep smiling, uh, and doing what I do best, which would be catering to, you know, at times very difficult guests with grace. And deep down, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have an out, I feel confined. And if I had just known, even in the presence of where I was, that there was a manager that had the awareness that could sense when someone, even myself was struggling They knew to help remove myself from the situation that they would take over uh, or even just in general, knowing that I felt comfortable in the presence of my coworkers because they could sense what I was going through or during their onboarding process when they started with the company, they were informed of how to handle a coworker, a manager just in general a situation where the person in front of them is struggling you're sensing they're off that they need to remove themselves and take some time away and how to go about that it's very it's very touch and go it's difficult but ultimately I find it interesting that up until I started my new job that I had not been a part of an organization that had integrated addiction recovery with onboarding. Uh, So that means when you're starting work, how they bring you on uh, in the company, how they uh, show you different aspects of the role and how they, they communicate what you need in order to succeed. Even just as simple as providing resources to support anyone struggling, offering benefits that include contributions to therapy is definitely a step in the right direction. So anyone with a benefits plan most likely will have these uh, contributions to counseling and so forth. But it's important to recognize that therapy is just one part of a comprehensive approach to addressing addiction and mental health issues. I always found, especially my previous employment, that there were other ways to offer types of support uh, and resources that could help employees struggling with addiction. And although I tried to implement some, I was always met with pushback. And this was something as simple as uh, employee assistance programs or wellness programs that promoted healthy habits and stress reduction techniques. Employers also play a crucial role in reducing the stigma surrounding addiction. And this can be by promoting a culture of openness and understanding. So referring back to hospitality, you're constantly surrounded by the, the environment of leisure, letting go, people coming to a hotel because they want to let loose. They've had a stressful week and you're there to cater to them. But a lot of this catering involves an overwhelming sense of they're always right and we're always wrong. And in doing that catering and in in making their day better, you're putting this insurmountable pressure on yourself and not being able to have that added benefit of removing yourself from the situation or knowing you have that support is very detrimental to somebody who's struggling. And I always think about training and awareness and that employers could provide education and training to managers and employees on how to recognize and respond to signs of addiction or mental health issues. This would also create a very safe and supportive environment where employees feel comfortable seeking help. And the first thing that comes to mind is first aid training. So a crucial component of workplace safety, it equips employees with the knowledge and skills to respond to emergencies and provide basic medical care until uh, professional help arrives. And many employers offer first aid training to their employees, especially managers. Uh, They receive even additional training to ensure they can respond to emergencies effectively. I uh, I also experienced this when I changed my role and I was in a managerial role, I was immediately met with the task to get my first aid certification. But in contrast, mental health and addiction awareness training is often overlooked, despite being just as important for workplace safety. Mental health and addiction issues can significantly impact an individual's ability to perform their job and can lead to absenteeism, accidents, and reduced productivity. By providing employees with tools to identify and support individuals struggling, employers can create a safer and like I said, more supportive work environment. And honestly, just one reason why employers could easily offer this awareness is it can be delivered in various formats. So this can be online courses, workshops, or even seminars. The flexibility means that employers can choose the delivery method that best suits their organization. I still, to this day, I find myself shocked when I started my new role. Within the first month, they were offering training for all of the staff. And it was called mindfulness. It was a mindfulness lunch and learn. And being in HR, I normally facilitated um, the different types of training, but because I was so new my uh, my supervisor was organizing it and the facilitators of this training both were in recovery so they had so much experience so not only did this training speak on how to navigate a role with uh with employees uh, suffering from uh, mental health issues it also spoke on addiction and i thought this was so incredible that within the first month The organization was offering it and right away, it sets the tone that, wow, if I ever needed to feel support, I knew it was in the vicinity. I knew that this organization spent the time, they spent the money to provide all of their staff with this training. And another great advantage of offering mental health and addiction awareness, especially Uh, the training I experienced, it reduced the stigma surrounding these issues. So really educated employees about mental health and addiction uh, and ways employers can help create a, a more supportive work environment. And like I said, right off the bat, I felt secure. I felt an overwhelming sense of joy knowing that this is where I worked. And I felt comfortable referring you know, friends to, to this place, if they wanted a job, I would speak so highly on this organization because of what they do. And that's another question you can ask yourself. The organization you work for, the company you worked for, would you refer a friend to it? Would you refer a friend struggling with addiction to your company? And this can really Have you gain a little extra perspective on the place you work for because if it's super stressful environment, then and they don't have the support for employees on how to navigate that, then it's not a great place to work, especially if you find yourself continuously triggered with the work you're doing. This always makes me think too back to like the onboarding process and they talk about all the wonderful things about the company but you never really hear about the negative sides and of course they don't want to tell you about that but then you come in with this false idea false motivation you come in and you think okay this is all going to be great I love what they they talk to me about they clearly seem very happy and then as the months go on you realize this is either chaotic it's stressful You're doing things that are out of your job description and you were not prepared for this. So something that I've taken into my uh, onboarding process is I'm very upfront. You know, this work can be stressful. You may find yourself working an extra hour, but this is what we have to support you. We have a portal with resources on how to ensure that you feel comfortable in your setting. So really, as we speak further in this episode, try and think about your work environment and if it's supporting you. I know I've talked about uh, mental health and addiction together because the two are a byproduct of one another. They require significantly different approaches, though, and that's why I think it's important at times to separate the two. While mental health issues and addiction can sometimes co-occur, they are distinct conditions that require different types of support and resources. Another thing to look at when considering a job or considering the role you're in now is the benefits package. So those usually include a range of benefits such as health insurance, retirement plans and pay time off. And while some of these benefits may indirectly assist someone with addiction, such as access to healthcare they generally do not address the root cause of addiction or provide specialized support for recovery. This is when I think of separating mental health and addiction because a lot of employer offerings are focused on mental health in the workplace, work-life balance, but this is often shown through these benefits packages that encourage you to seek um, a counselor because it's covered. Addiction is a complex issue, and I feel like that's where employers lack the awareness or the education because it requires specialized treatment and support. Addiction often stems from underlying emotional and psychological or social factors and simply providing benefits such as health insurance may not be sufficient to address these issues. And I know I've talked about this earlier, but because of the stigma, addiction is often viewed as a personal failing rather than a medical condition. And the stigma can prevent employers from offering robust addiction support programs for fear of negative perceptions and even sometimes legal liabilities. And as a result, many employers may often offer just minimal resources for addiction support. And that's um, usually uh, an employee assistant program, which is sometimes not even through the employer. It's through a third party. Overall... While employer benefits packages may provide some support for individuals struggling with addiction, they typically do not address the root causes uh, or provide comprehensive treatment and support. I think too, companies should be aware of the signs of addiction. Uh, And I know I spoke on this earlier, uh, but it's so, so important. And even just providing time off for medical appointments. Uh, or recovery and creating that supportive work environment, that non-judgmental work em- environment can go a long way. I find that alcoholism is so normalized in society that many employers and colleagues find it difficult to have the conversation, especially in the role that I was in previously where after a hard day, it was natural to you know, go out and have drinks. And for anyone who's ever served in their life, um or just been part of a restaurant you're continuously dealing with like i said triggers triggering moments but it's a combined effort with your colleagues and everyone feels the need to have a release afterwards so if the employer already facilitated ways of supporting someone because of these stressful moments employees wouldn't feel the need to go get a drink afterwards My interest in HR was peaked following the COVID-19 outbreak. While employers were understandably concerned about the survival of their business, they failed to adequately address the issue of employee morale in the aftermath of the pandemic. The impact of COVID on individuals was profound and the lack of awareness regarding how the pandemic affected people differently was honestly concerning. As someone who decided to get sober just a month into the pandemic, I became acutely aware of the role that addiction and mental health play in the workplace. It became clear to me that many employees were struggling and that it was my duty to provide them with the support and comfort they need. When I eventually took on the role of HR within my organization, I made it a priority to address the shortcomings in our approach to supporting employees. I emphasize the need to strike um, a balance between rebuilding the business and prioritizing employee well-being. I communicated to my employer that we could not hope to rebuild our business without first engaging with our staff on their well-being. From my experience, changing the way of a business and the way it operates when negative practices are ingrained in the organization can be very challenging. No, I try to take on the right approach by creating positive change, as well as improving the company's overall performance. And this is something you can think about uh, regarding your own organization or the company you work for is what's their focus right now. And that prior work that I had, the focus was, of course, building back the business. And it was all about revenue. So when I address these concerns with my employer, the focus wasn't there. The focus was with revenue because that was bringing in guests and money and, and people wanting to see themselves traveling again and creating this sense of comfort within British Columbia. It's tough because on one end, you have to understand that, but on another all you're asking yourself is, well, without happy employees, without employees who want to come to work, is there even a business in place? Are they going to be offering their true self? Are they going to be struggling deep down? Are we going to have more turnover rates because we're not providing employees with a supportive work environment? And ultimately, I really wanted to address addiction and mental health in the workplace because I believed it was critical. I thought being in HR, we would play an essential role in creating a supportive work environment that promoted employee well-being, but also while protecting the interests of the employer. I tried to separate myself from the employer at times and really address that our primary focus should be supporting employees so I just decided to take that on myself. And when I was asked about it, I really played the role of confidentiality. I I believed it to be essential for HR to maintain confidentiality when dealing with employee mental health and addiction issues, and I would not share that sensitive information about employees with the employer, uh, even anyone else in the organization. And so. When I decided to establish new policies and procedures, I was able to do so, but only for new employees coming in. So it was quite an imbalance because I had developed all these new policies in place to speak on bullying in the workplace, uh, mental health awareness, how we uh, budget our departments to afford them the opportunity to take their staff out and build their team back create a sense of awareness and foster employee engagement outside of work through department outings and these outings don't have to focus solely on addiction recovery or release but at least it's not a company outing where alcohol is involved and you're celebrating you know a difficult but the focus is to support one another and build stronger connections among colleagues. And, and again, this is very basic. This kind of reminds me of what I was speaking on earlier about little offerings that don't go to the root cause. But this is also better than an employer bringing pizza into the workplace to boost uh, staff morale. It's really important to emphasize that these activities are not always about the business. But by taking time to connect with one another uh, as human beings. And these outings can create this sense of comfortability where staff may open up to one another. about what's going on in their lives where they're not just speaking about their environment at work. This also creates opportunities for employees to engage with each other in a non-work setting. So it really does strengthen relationships and foster a sense of community eventually within the workplace. Ultimately, the pandemic took a huge toll on mental health of people, including employees and especially employees. And a lot of those employees may have experienced loss, isolation, financial stress, addiction, and other challenges that impacted their mental health and well-being. So really think about your organization, even though we're, I can't believe I'm saying it's three years post-pandemic, but understand what has your company done within those three years to build back employee well-being. And no, I'm not talking about providing pizza or donuts to improve employee morale. And although that creates a fun and relaxed atmosphere uh, and employees do appreciate the gesture, it just provides that temporary boost. Uh, It definitely does not address the underlying issues that may be impacting employee satisfaction uh, as well as productivity. I know I spoke about guilt earlier too. So something that comes from either previous experience, uh, whether it's trauma or a previous work environment that wasn't supportive, guilt does tend to follow you. And for me, I gained this sense of guilt through asking for time off when I needed to regroup. And when I felt things weren't improving within my organization, I wanted to try a temporary solution by maybe going on a holiday or just not going anywhere but being able to have a week off work. But I always felt guilty to the point where I wanted to seek medical profession to provide me with a a medical note to take that time off. It actually got to a point for me uh, where... I had called one of my managers who actually was very supportive, but I I really disliked the fact that I allowed it to get this far um, from my point of view, uh, as well as from a manager point of view, because they weren't able to sense the struggle, despite me asking for you know some time off here and there and when they asked where I was going I'd say nowhere like there's little signs you can pick up on and I'm not trying to put the whole responsibility on the manager but luckily in my situation where I did reach a point where I couldn't know to work I was able to address that with my manager and they provided me with some time off but they did ask me how soon I could return because it was going to pose a bit of a problem so again these th- these feelings of guilt were always creeping in because I felt like I was letting my team down and as somebody who does care about their work it is a struggle so I did carry that with me to my new employment and so a question that does come up and something that I learned from taking employment law at ACIT is Do employees have to disclose their addiction to their employer? And it doesn't even have to be their addiction. It could be just a leave of absence. Do you have to disclose why? And the answer is no. So the Employment Standards Act protects employees from being penalized for taking a leave of absence due to illness or injury, regardless of the reason. And although an employer may require medical documentation to support the leave of absence, it's important to note that employees are protected under the BC Human Rights Code if they do decide to disclose their addiction. So that, again, is up to you. If you feel comfortable disclosing that, do know you're protected, but ultimately you do not have to. And in any work environment I've ever been previous to the one I'm in now, I've always felt the need to disclose why I'm leaving work or taking time off from work, even if it wasn't mental health related or addiction related, even if I just was going away somewhere or i just needed a day to regroup or it was a dental appointment i just always felt the need to tell them and i'm not sure if that's because of the work environment that was created where everyone was always asking what's going on you know that can also be a more of a toxic work environment but if you're feeling like the place you're working there's always gossip there's always someone talking about someone else everyone wants to know your business That's not healthy, especially when it will come to a time, if it ever does, where you feel overwhelmed and you burst. And that's what happened to me. I got to a point because I didn't feel like my work environment created a supportive workplace. I exploded. I called my manager. I told them I was overwhelmed. I couldn't come into work. I was crying. And this wasn't me. I had built My foundation through getting sober, I knew that I was confident and I was able to do anything, but because I just continuously felt attacked either intentional or not through being asked to work these hours or being asked to work uh, an assignment that was way out of my job description, but I did it because I wanted to succeed with the, with the organization. I just kept building and building all this pressure on myself, and I never felt like I could speak on it. Not to mention the difficulty of navigating the workplace when faced with social situations that involve alcohol. So even in those moments of stressful times before my burst, I found it extremely challenging when colleagues continue to pressure me to drink despite having disclosed that I didn't drink. And this would even come from managers. And it's really important to remember that recovery is a personal journey and that creating a supportive work environment is crucial to success. So even you, if you're, if you're an employee, speak to somebody you feel comfortable with if, you're, if your company is not meeting these standards. Something as simple as a flexible work arrangement can be particularly helpful for employees in recovery. Employees who are in the early stages of recovery may need time off for medical appointments, maybe even counseling sessions or support group meetings. Employers who are willing to accommodate these needs can help employees stay engaged and committed to their recovery. In addition, flexible work arrangements can help employees manage the stress and demands of their job while maintaining their sobriety. Again, ask yourself, is this possible within your workforce? Can your boss accommodate this? Would they be willing to? Since taking employment law and working in human resources, I have come to realize that applying for positions that offer accommodations to employees is extremely important particularly for those in addiction recovery. When I was searching for a new job, I realized that although income was important, working for an organization that provides resources to support and has values aligned with mine can be more beneficial in the long run. In fact, I actually made the decision to take a 5k pay cut to move into a new role. Uh, It turned out to be the best decision I ever made. When it comes to applying for jobs while in recovery, it's important to consider a few things. Firstly, you may want to look for jobs that have a company culture that aligns with your recovery goals. An example of this would be companies that prioritize work-life balance, have wellness programs, or support employee mental health uh, that may be more accommodating to those in recovery. When it comes to navigating the interview process, it can be difficult to know how to bring up your recovery. And again, you don't have to. You don't have to disclose the, the information until you have the job offer, but at the same time, you may want to ensure the company can accommodate your recovery needs. So I do have some tips on how to navigate these conversations. So start off by researching the company. Before applying for a job, research the company's culture and values. Look for indications that the company may be supportive of employees in recovery. And I know I spoke on earlier about separating mental health and addiction. But a lot of the times and and in most cases, you probably won't see something that emphasizes addiction recovery. It will factor under the heading of mental health awareness uh, or employee wellness programs. But you can ask, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're disclosing what's going on in your personal life. But just from a, from a point of view of interest, um, I know that I spoke on it um, based on explaining that I knew somebody. And uh, I was just curious to know what they offer. And then again, if you, if you do feel comfortable disclosing it, which is extremely powerful, and I uh, applaud you. I do suggest waiting until the offer. I know it's it's hard to hear, but there is still that stigma present. So you may not want to disclose your recovery status during the interview process, but you can ask about the company's policies, like I said, on mental health and wellness. And if you receive a job offer, you can discuss uh, any accommodations you may need. I also think it's important to be honest and direct, especially if you're somebody who's tired of going from job to job, you want to discuss your recovery with your employer, again, as long as you feel comfortable. And in all honesty, I I am not comfortable and I still haven't disclosed it, but at least I know the company I'm working for, if I were to ever, they would be supportive. But again, with your honesty, and especially if you have multiple triggers and you know yourself, explain any accommodations you may need. And that can be time off for therapy or your support group meetings. Again, as mentioned earlier, understand your rights. So in BC, an employee is not required to disclose the reason for their medical leave to their employer. And if you do decide to disclose your addiction, you are protected under the BC Human Rights Code. And then again, ultimately seek support. It can be very helpful to seek support from a counselor or mentor when navigating the job search process. They can help you develop a plan for disclosing your recovery status and advocating for your needs. Again, I really want to emphasize, though, you have every right to ask what this company can offer to you. It's no longer about what you can offer them. It's a two-way street, and I Getting sober built that confidence in navigating negotiations with my salary, asking what a company offers, what they value, what they can bring to the table. Thinking back to wanting to address this topic, I didn't think it would take me 36 minutes. um, Strictly on employment and how to navigate it as somebody who either wants to get sober, who's in addiction recovery or has been sober for quite some time but you see the importance of surrounding yourself within the workforce with an organization that values employee well-being and wanting to see them succeed. I find that time and time again, it stems from education and awareness. So even just knowing what's going on in your surroundings, even outside of the workforce, and for me living in B.C., seeing my surroundings uh because of the effect of the opioid crisis uh, particularly in vancouver and this is caused by the availability and use of highly potent synthetic opioids such as fentanyl and despite our provincial health officer of bc dr bonnie henry actively working to implement harm reduction strategies uh, as well as establish overdose prevention sites we need to have increased funding for addiction treatment services. Uh, This includes expanding access to evidence-based treatment options, uh, as well as creating change for individuals and communities uh, to advocate for policies and initiatives that support harm reduction, uh, treatment, and prevention efforts. And when I think back to education, and I know I spoke on this earlier, but I think back to when I was younger and having police officers come to my school. I think it was elementary school. And this was through the D.A.R.E. program, which provided students with the important information about the dangers of drug use. But it did not effectively reduce drug use in the long term. And for anyone who uh, is not familiar with the D.A.R.E. program, It was focused on drug abuse resistance education. And one of the reasons why it worked was that it provided students with information about the dangers of drug use, which helped increase their knowledge and awareness of the issue. It also seemed like a credible source because you had this information being taught by police officers. But I found as I grew older and that being really the only education awareness about drugs about alcohol abuse uh, substance abuse addiction in general. I lacked so much awareness and I realized too with this program that it really relied heavily on scare tactics that did not address the underlying issues that contributed to drug use. And that could have been poverty, trauma, or even mental health issues. Something that always comes to mind when I think of the D.A.R.E. program is what it would have been like to have somebody speak on their experience who's actually been through addiction and recovered, who's changed their life around. And not just in elementary school, had that throughout my education, even in university, providing all these different avenues to educate yourself on Uh, addiction recovery or just in general the effects of alcohol because when I was in university or high school I'm not thinking about what this is going to do to me and yet I was deep down struggling and I didn't even know it and so when you're not even in the presence of understanding that you have an addiction having somebody being able to speak to you about what it's like to consume alcohol on a regular basis and what it's done to them and even how they've overcome it would be so significant in a person's recovery process. Growing up, a significant focus was uh, how to adapt to peer pressure and resist it. However, from my experience, resisting peer pressure can be very challenging if you don't fully understand what you are resisting, especially the underlying issues that contribute to, you know, drug or alcohol use even mental health and trauma. I believe this is especially important because we are bombarded with messages through commercials, uh, our parents, our social surroundings that imply having a drink after a stressful day can make you feel better. But we are not taught to understand why we are feeling that way or other ways to cope with stress that do not involve a quick fix or escape. And lots of commercials come to mind but it's scary to think how many are alcohol focused. As simple as incorporating things we love and we do on a day-to-day basis, but then adding alcohol to it to enhance as if doing these normal things wouldn't be fun unless alcohol was involved. I'm going to think of a commercial and many come to mind, but this is a Michelob uh, Ultra, I like beer commercial. So, obviously, the commercial is very focused on beer, but what you don't see is where the entire ad is doing different types of exercises. So yoga, swimming, running, golfing, surfing, biking, exercising in a gym with a song in the background saying, we like beer. And from someone who exercises on a regular basis, and I'm sure many of you who know the effects of alcohol on your day-to-day exertion activities, alcohol does not bode well and are not a pair. This ad features many celebrities and normalizes that an individual can accomplish this lifestyle with alcohol in their lives. It's so strange to me because when I listen to this commercial, but without seeing what's being portrayed, I would never think that it was somebody running a marathon. I would think that it's a group of people in a bar singing together that they love beer. There's so many more commercials too that come to mind and I'll, I'll, I'll even go as far as to post them on my Instagram so you can actually see, um, see them and compare them to uh, what I've recorded here. But ultimately, it just stems back to that education and awareness and what we grow up on and this was a Super Bowl ad. So if I'm somebody and I like sports and I'm watching the Super Bowl and I see this ad, It's very misleading and also very harmful. Here I am watching this and thinking, oh, pairing athleticism with alcohol shows me that this is a beer I can enjoy alongside a healthy lifestyle. As I was researching for this episode and looking at different commercials, I also came across this article. Uh, It's called Crope Health Media. And it's showcasing all of the different advertisements uh, in the peak of COVID. And so, obviously, with COVID-19, we were asked to distance ourselves. And unfortunately, with COVID, this impacted a lot of individuals, especially as it related to addiction. And I'll also post these on my Instagram. But brand logos started dominating, you know, Facebook pages and, and different ways of... Uh, of promoting their alcohol brand uh, instead of making real contributions to responding to the pandemic. And so one of this, the first one I come across um, is a word search. And what it says is the first word you see is the beer you have to drink tonight. Uh, The next one is a company that was referring to social distancing and saying that there's never been a better time to become a wine connoisseur. Another one was giving uh, three months worth of beer to anyone who fosters or adopts a dog from a rescue service. So that was uh, bush beer. So for a lot of liquor retailers, COVID-19 was an opportunity to capitalize on people staying at home by heavily promoting contactless home delivery services and emphasizing that drinkers never need to run out of their chosen alcohol products. I remember watching a commercial and it's been really hard to actually find it. And it was a commercial that was a beer-related commercial. If I ever come across it, I'll be sure to post it. But it was this couple and they were so stressed. They were about to sign a mortgage. You know, it showed them sweating. It showed them that they weren't sure of it. Should they go ahead with it? And it was really intense. And here I am watching it thinking it's, uh, you know, it's from a bank. Uh, It's talking about interest rates. And by the end of it, it shows them signing the mortgage, going outside, sitting, I believe, on their porch and opening up beer. And just the sign of relief when they had their first sit. It was crazy. I felt, even as I talk about it, I feel weird. I couldn't believe how much in just... A 30-second commercial, it showed that something so stressful in your life can just be fixed by sitting on your porch and having a sip of beer. And from someone here who experienced signing a mortgage pre-pandemic, literally, like I think it was two weeks before the pandemic, it is very, very stressful. And I even celebrated with a bottle of champagne. I eventually got sober, I think, one month after that. But still, it's just, why do we constantly feel this need in times of stress or celebration to add alcohol to the mix? And I believe a lot of that comes from what we see on TV, what gets promoted, what's on our feed. And so just a really strong reminder to go through your feed, go through your followers and rid your feed of this toxic promotion of your life will be better if you drink lots to take in here i really appreciate all of you who have been listening carefully and applying this to your day-to-day i understand in this episode there's still a lot to unpack so i'll be sure to um, as i do with each episode uh summarize key takeaways uh, as well as show you some of these commercials i've come across and you know they're not long ago Ultimately, I'm here to remind you that it is crucial to evaluate your surroundings when in recovery from addiction, because your environment can greatly impact your success. This includes evaluating factors such as commercials related to your addiction, alcohol commercials, exposure to alcohol commercials can be a trigger for those in recovery or somebody wanting to get sober. So it's important to limit or avoid them as much as possible. When it comes to friends, the people you surround yourself with can either support or hinder your recovery efforts. It is important to evaluate whether your friends are supportive of your recovery and if they engage in behaviors that may trigger your addiction. Work, your workplace, your culture, the thing I spent 36 minutes talking about can greatly impact your recovery. It is important to evaluate whether your boss and colleagues are supportive of your recovery efforts and whether your workplace promotes a culture that values its employees. By evaluating these factors, you can create a supportive environment that can help you in your journey to recovery. Thank you so much everyone for listening. For this week's challenge, I would like you to look big picture in your current work situation and ask yourself, are you happy? Is it supporting you? And what can you do to change this? And before taking a huge step and looking for work elsewhere, because that was eventually the step I took. But there were things in between that slowly helped to get better. But ultimately, I made the decision to leave. But for you, ask yourself, Are there things you can change within your organization? Are they small? Are they big? How would you go about changing them? Do you feel comfortable bringing them to the attention of your boss, your manager? And if so, I encourage you to do it. And even just writing it down and being prepared for eventually when it does become too much and needing to have that conversation, just take a moment and for this week, every day that you go to work, ask yourself how it went. Were you triggered? Could there have been things that would have helped that? Either awareness training, being able to have a flexible work arrangement, taking a couple days off, being supported. It's all about your surroundings. And so I really just want you to take that all in this week and moving forward. And again, stay sober for the week. That will always be a part of this podcast. And because these episodes happen every other Sunday, for those who have been sober thus far so proud of you. Keep at it. And for those who are just getting started, you've got this. Note your triggers and learn how to mitigate them. And that might be, and ultimately will be reevaluating your surroundings. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the week. Mm -hmm. And remember, stay strong and stay sober.